Now, you need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. And now, live from Las Vegas, it's Marv Cutler! All right, all right, come on now, Pete, you're a day late, my birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, buddy! Thank you. Uh, Can I ask how old you are? What are you, 25 and holding, or what? I'm, um, as as my old buddy Jack Benny would say, I'm 39. 39. Okay, 39 and holding, so we're the same age now. Because I'm turning 40 in October, but I don't tell nobody. But, but I've been on radio 43 years, so I just want to mention that. Hey, hey you should, man. That's that's a great time of being on radio, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Anyway, um, I got an interesting show. We got some nice music coming out, some reviews and uh, some sports. Um, we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, uh, two things I want to talk about is um, some of the great things that happened or are happening in Las Vegas. And if you're if you're visiting Las Vegas or you live in Las Vegas, well, these are the things to see and do um, while you're here in town. And possibly in a little bit, I'm going to tell you something not to do. Um, but in the meantime, uh, the, the Las Vegas Philharmonic did their Spotlight Concert Series, wind songs and. Uh, Wonderful job. They had five terrific uh, musicians from the um, Las Vegas Philharmonic, and they and they played some interesting musicians. You know, there were there were flutes and clarinet, bassoon, and horn. No, no string instruments. Um, this chamber music concert and very interesting. They did some great work, and um, the interesting thing is, I keep talk, talking about um, the people in in Las Vegas. They don't. Uh, Liking some culture because um, you know they go to a, a symphony or, or whatever and they and they applaud between movements and uh, which you know I, I think if they were back in Eastern New York or Boston they'd be probably tied in feathers or whatever. But we we proved it uh, uh, at, on the second half of the show. Um, um, there was a string quartet by uh, uh, Brahms. Which was played by um, flute, clarinet, horn, and bassoon, French horn and bassoon, and um, one of the musicians who was um, sort of emceeing the show, he he um, said to the audience, uh, "Does anybody here know what a string quartet is?" And uh, believe it or not, about three people band. <laughs> I guess that's why they applaud. Between movements, anyways, they did a great job. Um, Las Vegas Philharmonic Spotlight Series, they do a great job. And um, coming up, the the full orchestra uh, conducted by um, Donato Carabrera. Uh, he's going to be uh, conducting Bernstein, Beethoven, and Prokofiev on May the 19th of the season finale. So if you're in Las Vegas or you're visiting Las Vegas, you want to check out the season finale of the Las Vegas Philharmonic. Also, um, Las Vegas Philharmonic does um, a concert under the stars, and they're in the, in the in the piazza of Tivoli Village, and these are, are free concerts. So bring your blanket, bring your chair, and you can hear the uh, members of Philharmonic playing. And they you get a few more concerts left um, uh, May 12th and June 2nd, uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, by the way, I just want to mention that um, 
as we're doing this show, I'm um, I'm cooking my world famous um, cauliflower aioli oil. So uh, if, you, if the if the if the scent of the uh, the garlic um, waves into the show, you'll know what I'm doing. Anyway, um, uh, the um, Sin City Opera finished up their a great season again. What a terrific um, uh, company! Uh, this this company had me a little concerned though because. They doing. They were doing my favorite opera. Actually, this is the uh, opera that was written by uh, Ruggiero Leon Cavallo, and um, it's my favorite opera, uh, Pagliacci. And it was done a little bit differently, and it was reimagined as a 1950s TV show, a Mad Men meets a Dick Van Dyke show, and sung in English. And it was a little scary to me to, to, to attend this concert because this the opera because. I was a little scared of hearing um, uh, Vesela Juba uh, sung in English, or even the, um, this whole opera sung in English. And um, But I'll tell you, Sin City Opera, they outdid themselves. It was a wonderful production. They did such a great job. Unbelievable. Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo and uh, Sin City Opera, they just do such great work, and um, it, it, it's wonderful. Next, next season... Um, doing the Pirates of Penzance, and then with the Flying Dutchman, Call Me Mr. Gianni Shichi, and uh, Opera in Bed. Opera in Bed. Oh. Anyway, that's um, uh, Tin City Opera. They're a great opera company, and they do great work and opera for everybody. And they do Opera Afternoon at Tivoli Village, and they get a couple more May 13th and June 10th from 3 to 5 p.m. on the piazza. Uh, bring your chair, bring your blanket, come and listen to uh, Tin City Opera and Opera Afternoons. Wonderful opera company. They do they do great, great work. There's um, another theater that's in um, Las Vegas. Um, the next show coming up is Animal Farm. And I, um, I think you like this little theater if you're... Um, you're in town. They did a wonderful job. They they, they closed now the show. Uh, they, they finished their run, but they did a um, a show on Marie Antoinette. It was called Marie Antoinette. It's a new play by David Ajmi, 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 David Ajmi, and uh, they did a wonderful job with um, Marie Antoinette at the Majestic Repertory Theater here in downtown Las Vegas, and uh, they a really neat little theater and. Um, the seating is terrific and uh, very intimate, and um, I know you'll like it uh, if you go there. So the Majestic uh, Repertory Theater uh, doing Marie Antoinette. Very interesting because uh, I don't know if you know this, Pete, but um, I did a past life uh, experience uh, myself. Another hypnotist did it, and uh, it turns out that in a past life, I was a lover to Marie Antoinette. So. Interesting play, anyway. Uh, I, I saw another uh, play yesterday, An Act of God, in my favorite uh, theater here in um, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Little Theater, An Act of God by David uh, uh, Javerbaum. It's a, a real fun little play. Uh, it's playing through um, maybe the 20th, so you can catch this one at the Las Vegas Little Theater. An Act of God has, um, has uh, three uh, actors in it. Um, but the main actor that plays God um, is uh, it's really a tour de force by Glenn Heath. He does a terrific job. But Glenn Heath doesn't do the, the whole three shows, all the shows, uh, because the, the cast rotates um, on these on the weekend, on different weekends. So um, uh, Glenn won't be doing um, playing God the next uh, next two weekends. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a fun show. Um, it's, um, I should say, it's a little uh, um, sacrilegious to, to God and uh, and Donald Trump, but it's, uh, it's a real fun show. I, I enjoyed it, and um, I was told by uh, the first joke of the show was really, really funny, and uh, I was told by Pete that I can't say it on the air. <laughs> so you have to come and see the show. So you can hear that first joke. The whole show is funny. So there's a fun little show. It's at the Las Vegas Little Theater. 
and uh, they just do terrific work over there. So check them out. Uh, like they've been around 40 years, and uh, I know you'll like the work that they do over there. They have a, a main stage, and they have a have a black box. Check out Las Vegas little theater. It's very difficult to get good bread here in Las Vegas because of the water. The water is hot water, and uh, it's really bread that makes a sandwich memorable. And, um, I discovered a company at one of the trade shows, and they sent me some of their bread. Uh, uh, a company called Sheila Pot, Sheila Pot and Sweet Sourdough. This is a really wonderful bread that comes in five flavors of white, wheat, Italian, onion, and Jalapeno cheddar cheese. Uh, it comes in many shapes and sizes, and 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 the, the shelf life of bread is only three to four days because there's no uh, preservatives in it. You have to uh, you can keep it um, up to one year in the freezer, so uh, that's really good. But you got to keep it in the freezer, and uh, they ship it to me really fast, so I got it right in the freezer. And and I've, I've eaten a number of uh, uh, these rolls here. These are this is, this is a tremendous. Um, Killer Potton's uh, sweet sourdough, the soft, moist, slightly sweet sourdough, and uh, it's different from San Francisco-style sourdough. doesn't contain any eggs, dry yeast, milk, or dairy. Uh, it's, it's the original. It's versatile. And the, the wheat bread is wheat and white mixture. Uh, the onion bread is topped with fresh onions, and it's really good. The jalapeno cheddar bread is made with fresh jalapenos. And the Italian bread is sprinkled with Italian herbs and Parmesan cheese. It's terrific. If you want to, you want to check them out for distributed information, ingredients, complete product list, and more, uh, you can go to uh, sbakery.com. That's sbakery.com. Sheila Potton's a terrific, terrific bread. You know, I like Mexican food when it's really, really good. And there's a lot of Mexican restaurants around. There's Mexican uh, restaurants on uh, street corners around here in Las Vegas and so forth. But it's very difficult to find really, really, really good Mexican restaurants. There's a restaurant that was established in 1980 here in Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas. They had a little shop there on, on Charleston. Now they're on, um, uh, on Las Vegas Boulevard. And they also have a new location in, in, in uh, Summerlin on um, on Tanaya Way. And um, this is a wonderful, uh, wonderful restaurant. Uh, uh, it's called Doña Maria Tamales. Uh, Doña Maria Tamales. Um, and they're um, a terrific um, uh, um, manager. Um, I know he's terrific as he was born in L.A., but he grew up in Guatemala. But he's um, uh, a Celtics fan. So I know he's a good manager. <laughs> and they have a terrific waiter. His name is Jesus. And uh, they do terrific work. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes better margaritas than the bartender. So if you're going over there, check out Jesus for the margaritas. They, and, um, I, had a, I had a jalapeno margarita, and, a, and they're very large. And a, and a mango margarita, um, but Donna Maria is um, uh, is very famous. Uh, I went to their Summerlin location, and um, their um, tamales. I had a, I, I tried one of the tamales because I just wanted to, because that's what they know they were known for originally, and they're still known for their tamales. And tamales are tamales are really special. The chips and the salsa is fabulous, and oh, and man, the soup, the soup is. I had menudo soup, and this is the best menudo soup. And this is no exaggeration. This is the best menudo soup I've ever had anywhere in a, in a Mexican restaurant. And um, for main course, I had uh, carne a la campicana, which is a marinated thin New York steak uh, with an enchilada and uh, of rice and, and, and beans. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful restaurant. This, the food is uh, superb. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the service is terrific. I can't say enough about it. And for dessert, yeah, for dessert, fried ice cream, fabulous. So uh, Doña Maria Tamales, like I said, I, I, two years ago I was at the downtown location. But this time I was at the um, 
of the Summerlin location, and uh, that, that is perfect. So if you live in Las Vegas or you're visiting Las Vegas, Doña Maria Tamales Mexican Restaurant is a fabulous, fabulous place to go. And about about something interesting now. Um, I, many years ago, Clint Eastwood made a movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Well, I want to just call this The, the Good and The Ugly.
and they turned out that the, the server said that um, the um, he didn't know I was coming back. But if he knew I was coming back, why would he leave the diet coke? That's that's kind of a that's kind of strange. But my cigar and paper was gone. And uh, I spoke to management about it, and um, and they uh, they got to the, the server, and he he brought out cigar and papers all wet from wherever he threw it in the, uh, in the garbage or anything, and and I told him, you know, I just want another cigar to replace it. And, which they did, and uh, a furious cigar, they, but they replaced it. And um, it was a bad situation. I never got to eat. And um, uh, and for some stupid reason, because I don't, you know, I don't have any management here. Every time you go in there, there's, never a, there's no manager in that place. One of the higher executives is managing the place right now because they don't have a manager, and that's probably the reason why. And, um and they call security over over this over this nonsense over their inability to, to perform properly, and they get this one security guy, um, strange character. He stands there with his legs spread apart and his hands on his hips like he's something really cool, and um, and he and he um, throws racist, um, nasty remarks at you. And uh, it's not a good place to go. I, I, I wouldn't advise, you know, eating there or going to watch a game there or whatever. It's not, food's not very good, and it's, it's not a good place to, as far as I'm concerned, to go. With that, so. Anyway, here's um, a great proper player from the San Diego area, um, Gilbert Castellanos, and my daddy's jazz.
such a great trumpet player. And you can catch him. He's all over San Diego. Um, he also uh, plays with the uh, Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra. And um, he's just a, a monster of a trumpet player. Um, really, 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 really good. He's, uh, he, he teaches uh, uh, students uh, uh, music. Uh, he's just an incredible guy and an incredible musician. So uh, uh, check him out. Um, Gilbert Castellanos. Uh, I also wanted to mention that um, Fiesta uh, Rancho was part of the uh, chain of uh, station casinos, and the food's not very good at any of them. So, uh, and uh, <clears throat> especially the Fiesta Rancho, though, that's um, that's a uh, scary place. It's a scary place, not for the people to go in there because they're really nice people. It's not a great area, but they're really nice people. But you know, the security people—they're very scary. Uh, it's um, so. Um, you know, and, and, and most Asian casinos are like that. So, um, all over, all over Las Vegas. I want to tell you about Terry Lee Brussel, uh, director of Success Center. I think has been in private practice as a hypnotherapist, life and business coach since 1969. She's been helping other healing uh, professionals and coaches build their practices since 1995. By interviewing such professionals in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Ireland and Scotland, that's interesting, Ireland and Scotland, because, matter of fact, if the, um, if the uh, Irish Hawaiian is listening right now, I'm going to be in Ireland and Scotland uh, in December, so uh, I'm looking forward to that trip. Uh, anyway, Sarah Lee has learned that most of them only deal with them. If there's any problems resulting in about four to six sessions per client. Don't treat your client as though he is his presenting problem. Your client is not his or her presenting problem. The client is a magnificent spiritual being where you can help reach his or her highest potential in areas physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial. The same person who came to you to put smoking or lose weight and also want to build a six-figure income, be in a great relationship or write a great novel, but offering a complete line of personal growth and self-improvement programs. Every average is more than 20 sessions per client. It costs you just as much in time, energy, and money to bring someone in with four to six sessions and to bring them in for 20 sessions and provide a whole lot more value. If you are ready to make an excellent living doing the work you love, visit Terry on the web asuccess.com. A-C-E-S-U-C-C. He has asuccess.com. You can download as a gift a guided meditation, abundance, your money, and more magnet for hypnotists, coaches, and professional healers to draw an abundance of clients into your practice. As well as health, wealth, love, and joy into your life. A call, 800-GOAL-NOW. That's 800-GOAL-NOW, 462-5669. And find out Terry does it. And check out Terry for yourself. That's good work. Oh. It is um, the late, great Johnny Ace and saving my love for you. said you want me baby I'm glad I feel so good now cause you're not mad please believe me I'm saving my love for you And it won't be long I'll make you love me From that day on Please believe me I'm saving my love for you Can't you September, we kissed and we said goodbye. I pretended that I was happy, but darling, I wanted to cry. We'll be together and it won't be long. I'll make you love me 
saving my love for you. story what's the story the story is i don't know if he was he played a game i don't know if you call him the winner or the loser um he played a game of russian roulette on new year's eve 1950 really so i don't know whether you can say he was the winner or the loser yes <laughs> did you survive he was probably the winner no 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 he didn't survive huh well then he was he won he won what he was doing you know Right. Hmm. Oh. Anyway, that's that's the story. Johnny A. Such a great voice, and um, not too bright. Anyway, um, was at the um, soccer match Saturday night. The Las Vegas White, and um, they they started out being a very exciting team. I don't know, but the the starting rules, as a matter of fact, like in the in the second half, they started um, um, to get lackadaisical and lazy uh, in this last game. Uh, their record is uh, two wins, one loss, and four draws. And um, I don't know. And and and, the, and they're playing in this, this um, what's going to be a former um, minor league baseball park. Um, um, Next season, because uh, the, uh, the minor league team is moving to a, to a brand new um, ballpark, but we're um, playing in this um, very old uh, ballpark, and uh, the sprinkler system came on in the second half. These <laughs> guys were standing under the sprinkler system uh, uh, during the. During the match, it was very interesting to see what happened. But anyway, they and they ended up in a, in a one-to-one draw against Tulsa on Saturday night. Um, um, I like the team. I like the way that they run. But uh, they need to get some uh, some more pizzazz, some more oomph to their team. You know, the the um, the crowds are total almost sellout crowds. Are, you know, really uh, helping them out there. But I, I don't know what's happening. Hey, uh, beat the Celtics. Yes, sir. Uh, I think they lost tonight to Philly, finally. They lost, they lost tonight, but, you know, that's okay. I think they'll win the championship. You think they can beat LeBron and uh, the Cavs? Well, you think that LeBron and the Cavs can can, uh, can win this against Toronto, even though they're 3-0? and uh, yeah, right now they're winning 56-47. to 47. Uh, They're about to close this game out. Uh, it's Almost halftime, so, but... Uh, you know, if, if they could beat anybody, I hope they beat LeBron and the Cavs because uh, LeBron is that, is that criminal that, that took out uh, Gordon Hayward in the first six minutes of the season. Here's the... So, you're absolutely right about that because that was definitely a hard foul, but here's the thing. Isn't it amazing what good coaching and players do when they believe in the coaching and they believe in the system and they all play together... There's really no superstars on this team. Al Horford, maybe the exception. But really, is there a LeBron James? Is there a Kevin Durant? No, there's a bunch of young guys that are hungry, that are playing hard right now, even without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood. So They're Jason Tatum. They're Brown. They're Rogier. I love Rogier. He's such a, he's such a, a really uh, you know, full-of-hot player. 
Yeah. Um, Tried to start a fight with, uh, he's trying to get into a fight tonight with Joel Embiid, and, and Embiid was saying uh, he's too short or something along those lines. But, yeah, he's a very, very, he's a good point guard. He shouldn't be a backup, and he wouldn't be a backup if he weren't on the Celtics. He'd probably be a starter in the NBA, and he's shown that throughout I, the whole and, process. You know, like, you know what I like? You know, he, he doesn't play very much, but you know what I like? He was my favorite team with my, he was my favorite player with my, with my college team. Uh, uh, U Miami is, is Larkin. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's uh, Barry Larkin's kid. Yeah, right. I met Barry Larkin a long time ago down here in uh, Plant City during spring training when I was about 10 years old. One of the most, uh-huh. yes, down to earth, good guys. He really is a good guy. Yeah, I just think about the team coming back next year with all the confidence they're playing with. I mean, it looks like they're going to move on and beat Philly. They move on, and then next year you get back Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood. Wow. I was just going to say, with Kyrie and, and, and Gordon and the confidence these, these guys are playing with, wow, what a team look at that next year, huh? And I wonder if LeBron is going to move on to the Lakers or Houston. I think he will. I do, too. You know I think he, he has a shot at going to and um he could go to Philadelphia. Uh, to me, Philadelphia would be the perfect place for him simply because they need a veteran presence. They have a bunch of young kids there. Ben Simmons scoring one point, but he's going to be an extremely good basketball player when he develops his jump shot. And then you have Joe Embiid, who's a player that has had all the potential the last couple of years, but what has been the knock on him, Marv? It's been the fact he can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, you can see how dynamic he is down low, but you know what I, th- I see. I think I would like to, where I'd like to see LeBron go. Where would you like to see him go? Jail. <laughs> You'd like to see him go home. <laughs> go home or go to jail? You know, house arrest, whatever. After what he did, but you know, you know, I get to have a couple of funny stories. Um, I go to my doctor for. Um, I think the the Philippines is a is a hotbed for the Patriots. Um. Really? One of my sister, um, a week before, I used to go for my blood test, and, the, and the, the Filipino lady, a really sweet girl, uh, who takes my blood, um, um, huge Patriots fan. <laughs> she takes my blood, and all she talks about is the Patriots, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, and this is a funny story. Last week, I'm at the supermarket. I came out of the supermarket, and I I was getting in the car, and a, and a car pulls up with Massachusetts plates. And the guy get out, and, and you know, and I when I see someone with Massachusetts plates, I like to find out where they're from, see if I know them or they know know of me or whatever, you know. And um, he gets out, and a Filipino guy, and I asked him where he was from. He said from the Philippines. So I I, I asked him about you know the plates, and he said, oh, it was a rental. I said, oh, I was wondering because I'm from I'm from Boston. He says, oh, Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now give me your opinion here. We all think that the Patriots are going to be once again competitive and maybe back in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a little bit tougher this time. Brady gets a year older. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty with this franchise right now. I think. In your opinion, is this Bill Belichick's last year? He may not make it this year. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what, what's going on over there. I'm not privy to it, but um, it's very strange to me uh, what's happening with um, with with Tom and, and Belichick. Well, I can give you some intel, if you will. I mean, some of the things I've heard and give you the rundown. There was an ESPN story, and take it for what it's worth. ESPN is always trying to look for a story, but. Right. I don't watch it. Well, what they were reporting is that there's so much mistrust between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick because Belichick has eliminated Brady's personal guy, which is the TB12 program, I guess. And what was happening was Brady's assistant of this program was getting very close to Patriot players. Well, you know Belichick. He's a hands-on guy. He wants control. He He's just like every other coach. He not only wants to buy the groceries, but he wants to pick the groceries. 
Well, he eliminated this guy from the Patriots organization. Well, that's rubbed Tom Brady the wrong way. And it's rubbed a lot of players the wrong way because he was doing some successful things and helping Brady basically maintain himself and, you know, not feel the age. That's why Brady's in such great shape. He's paid a lot of money to be like that. And, and this program has been the direct result of that. Well, he eliminated this guy. And then on top of it, they got rid of Garoppolo for a reason. Belichick wanted to deal Tom Brady. Well, Robert Kraft is a Tom Brady fan. So basically, he was outruled, which is why Garoppolo was dealt off for a second-round pick. So my thing is, if Josh McDaniels is staying for one more year, and he spurned the Colts, which reminded me of Bill Parcells spurning the Bucks twice. I'll never forget that. But I think Josh McDaniels is going to take over for Bill Belichick next year. I, I agree with that. Maybe even this year. Well, I don't think it's going to be this year. Look, they're going to still have a team that's going to be competitive. And, and as as far as... You know, you know, you know, the, you know Gronk is not happy. Um, Danny Amendola is gone. Uh, Malcolm Butler is gone. You know, it was terrible what, what the, Belichick did to Malcolm Butler. I agree. It's one of the stupidest coaching decisions I've ever heard of. And that's all ego by Belichick. People were trying to say, well, he was out partying and doing... No, he wasn't. It was a Belichick decision. It was a terrible decision. And nobody can sit there and tell me that if Butler is not in that secondary, that Philly is not as successful as throwing the ball. Butler is a pro bowler. Butler is a good player. There's a reason why Malcolm Butler is a starter in the league and got the money that he got from the Titans. I, um, you know, you know, I I think Bill Belichick, is the greatest coach that ever coached football. But the but is that the guy is not functioning properly anymore. No. That's the but. And, um, and, and it's disturbing to me cause, because I'm, I'm the guy that's always talking about Belichick, always defending him, always talking about him, always raising him up as, a, as the greatest coach no matter who I talk to. And, um, and now he's... He's losing it, you know. And um, if he leaves, if he leaves coaching, you know that he could probably have any job he wants if he leaves the Patriots. Could you see the Jets in that conversation? Do you think he'll go to the Jets? I mean, I thought the Giants were going to be the team, and then they picked Pat Shermer. So unless Shermer does a terrible job with the Giants, the Jets I mean, look, enemies are enemies. Enemies can be friends. And if you're trying to go against the Patriots, I think the Jets would do anything at this point. Because I, I think their coach is on the hot seat. I, I think they're rebuilding, but I still think any coach in the NFL is on the hot seat, even down here in Tampa. And I think if Belichick were out there as a free agent, any team would be crazy not to at least – Give him an offer and see what. Yeah, you know that's you're right about that. That any team should would, would, would go after him, you know, because any team that doesn't have a, a really good coach, you know, the few teams that have great coaches that, that you know they shouldn't go after him. But the ones that have really bad coaches, they they need to go after this guy if, if he once he leaves. Now let me ask you this, because you're a Patriots fan, you watched him for years. Is Belichick the great coach because of Tom Brady? And is Tom Brady a great quarterback because of Bill Belichick? Who's more important to that franchise? Is it Belichick or is it Tom Brady? I think they're both equal. They were both equal. So you think if Brady's there next year with Josh McDaniels, they don't they don't lose a beat? No. Okay. That's, and that's, you know, after hearing all this talk, now I can see why Josh turned down that, that job. You know? <laughs> I mean, why... Why would you go to the outhouse when you go to the penthouse? Although, you know, if you take a job, if you're going to take a job with somebody and you say you're going to take it, and then basically at the last minute you screw over that team and say, you know what, I'm not going to take that job, that's messed up. No, but also uh, uh, Tom is, is, I think Tom is upset over losing Garoppolo. 
I don't know if Tom was upset with losing Garoppolo. I think Belichick was more upset with losing Garoppolo because Belichick actually wanted to trade Brady, and and, and basically Robert Kraft said, no, I'm not trading. I think, I, I think uh, uh, Brady's upset over that, too, because, you know, look what he's got for a backup. I, I don't think he cares, Marv. I mean, he thinks he can play another four, five, six years. I mean, you've seen the, the story before come out with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and and Brady's always thought that he was superior quarterback in superior shape. And look, it, it helps when you have the program he has and all the money he spends. And of course, being married to a supermodel wife. But it's also the system that he plays in. It's just a, a perfectly flawless system. And it really doesn't matter what receiver they lose. You know, people always say Drew Brees is going to be a bad quarterback, that age is going to catch up to him. It, it, it never happens. I'm waiting to the day where New England is not going to be competitive, and I just don't see it. Anytime you have Brady or Belichick, you're good to go, especially Brady. All right. Well, Big Big Ben is talking about another four or five years, too. Yeah, yeah, to me, that's a joke. And I don't know if you saw this story, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. Mason Rudolph gets drafted the third round. I could see why the Steelers are going to do that because basically Big Ben has said the last couple of years, I'm not sure if I'm going to play. Well, you got to get a future quarterback. Mason Rudolph is highly um, touted. He's put up some pretty impressive statistics at Oklahoma State, albeit in a weaker division. But in saying that, um, Rudolph comes out, gets says, uh, you know, I don't expect Big Ben to do anything for me or mentor me. And Big Ben comes out and basically says, you know what, I'm not going to do anything for him. I may point to the playbook. Right or wrong, if you're a veteran quarterback and there's somebody drafted, that's going to take your job. Is it okay for that quarterback to say, you know what? Screw you. I ain't going to do anything for you. I think that that's absolutely wrong. Me too. Uh, because Ben is a, Ben's a great quarterback. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I think Big Ben could be. But, but he, he's a, he'd be a great mentor, a great tutor to, uh, to him, uh, to Rudolph, because you know, and he should be because, you know, he doesn't know how much longer he can make it. He's not on Tom Brady's uh, uh, lifestyle or, or diet, you know? No, he's not. He's on a lifestyle of getting a lot, of, a lot of hits. He takes a lot of unnecessary hits, and that's because of the way he plays. But his body is going to break down. It's only going to take one hit to knock him out. And I'll tell you right now, Roethlisberger was not the same quarterback last year, especially against a spectacular defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. He looked his right. age. He didn't look good. I don't. I don't. I. I, I personally don't think Roethlisberger uh, is going to be in, in more than one more year, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I do too, and I think Mason Rudolph is probably the quarterback of the future. So, and it kind of reminds me of the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation, where Brett Favre was a great quarterback. The Packers saw the writing on the wall. They said, you know what? He's not the same quarterback anymore. Even right. even though he led us to the NFC Championship, he could only get us so far. We drafted Aaron Rodgers. We're going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Far, you know, I thought, I thought that was a mistake, but you know that proved me wrong. I I did too at the time, but I tell you what, it took three years for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat the bench, and I think that's the quarterback rule. If you've got a quarterback that's better than the rookie quarterback, you play the better quarterback because you let right. that rookie sit. If not, then you put him in the fire. But Rodgers was better for that, but he was. I think he would have been better off if Brett Favre would have actually mentored him, and Brett Favre decided not to do it. He was a selfish player, and I hate that. Look, you know, somebody takes my job. I know somebody's going to take my job for the betterment of the company. I'm going to help that person out learn. Now, maybe that that person takes my job eventually. Well, so be it. Then I wasn't good enough anyway, and, and there's always a door that opens when that other door closes. Right. Well, um... It's going to be an interesting season. I just think the, I think the Patriots are going to lose a peg here or there because you know the loss of I think the loss of Amendola and the loss of Butler uh, is going to be key to a a little bit of a problem for them. You know. Yeah, but I tell you right now, their draft was unbelievable. You get Isaiah Wynn as a guard. He's definitely going to come in right away and be a starter. He's a nasty, nasty road grinder guard, and you right. get Sonny Michelle who there was a lot of people talking about him, his elusiveness and explosiveness, but he has a knee problem. 
And a lot of NFL scouts and coaches don't know how long he's going to last in the NFL. Well, look, NFL means one thing, not for long. But I tell you right now, the Patriots are going to definitely use him the way he needs to be used. You guys are going to be better than you think. Well, uh, Julian will be back, so that's good. Yeah. But, you know, but Gronk is not happy. No, you're right about that. And I'm surprised he actually came back. I thought he was going to retire and go into wrestling. I thought he was, too. You know, and um, and he may still do that. Well, I mean, they it's always there for him. I tell you that, and he can, he can talk on the mic, and he can definitely sell some tickets. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know, I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I would, I would, I might pay to see uh, Gronk go against uh, what's his name there, the um, the champ. What's his name? Brock Lesnar. I'd pay to see Gronk go against Lesnar. Can Lesnar get like a chair shot to his head where it knocks them out for a year so we never have to see him wrestle ever again? Seriously? I'm sick of him. Well, I don't know because I don't watch wrestling anymore. Oh, that's right. You don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. I'll tell you the truth. I have no idea what's happening. I got to update you. Maybe in the next show you can update me. What now? They play soccer in December in the British Isles? I don't think so. Anyway, do I hear some music in the background? I've been on. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a marvelous weekend.